Welcome to the Terry Podcast, Tales from Near and Far, read to you by Pratham Data. A Child's History of England by Charles Dickens, read to you by Pratham Data. Chapter 9, Part 2, England under William II, called Rufus. In the first part, we realise that William II, the Red King, was not the best king whatsoever, much like William the Conqueror. And he was trying to pry away and get all, buy off all the lands from Robert. And Robert, who is now reimagining himself to become a bit of a Christian saver of souls. And he wanted to join the Crusades that were just beginning. The year was 1096, and Robert had just mortgaged his touchy of Normandy to join the Crusades. All the Crusaders were not zealous Christians. Among them were vast numbers of the restless, idle, profligate and adventurous spirit of the time. Some became Crusaders for the love of change, some in the hope of plunder, some because they had nothing to do at home, some because they did what the priest told them, some because they liked to see foreign countries, some because they were fond of knocking men about and would as soon knock a Turk about as a Christian. Robert of Normandy may have been influenced by all these motives and by a kind desire, besides, to save the Christian pilgrims from bad treatment in future. He wanted to raise a number of armed men and to go to the crusade. He could not do so without money. He had no money and he sold his dominions to his brother, the Red King, for five years. With the large sum he thus obtained, he fitted out his crusaders gallantly and went to Jerusalem in martial state. The Red King, who made money out of everything, stayed at home, busily squeezing more money out of Normans and English. After three years of great hardship and suffering, from shipwreck at sea, from travel in strange lands, from hunger, thirst and fever upon the burning sands of the desert, and from the fury of the Turks, the valiant crusaders got possession of our saviour's tomb. The Turks were still resisting and fighting bravely, but this success increased the general desire in Europe to join the crusades. Another great French duke was proposing to sell his dominions for a term to the rich Red King when the Red King's reign came to a sudden and violent end. You have not forgotten the new forest which the conqueror made and which the miserable people whose homes he had laid waste so hated. The cruelty of the forest laws and the torture and death they brought upon the peasantry increased this hatred. The poor persecuted country people believed that the new forest was enchanted. 
They said that in thunderstorms and on dark nights, demons appeared, moving beneath the branches of the gloomy trees. They said that a terrible spectre had foretold to Norman hunters that the Red King should be punished there. And now, in the pleasant season of May, when the Red King had reigned for almost thirteen years, and a second prince of the Conqueror's blood, another Richard, the son of Duke Robert, was killed by an arrow in this dreaded forest, the people said that the second time was not the last, and that there was another death to come. It was a lonely forest, accursed in the people's hearts, for the wicked deeds that had been done to make it. And no man save the king and his courtiers and huntsmen liked to stray there. But in reality, it was like any other forest. In the spring, the green leaves broke out of buds. In the summer, flourished heartily and made deep shades. In the winter, shriveled in blue town and lay in brown heaps on the moss. Some trees were stately and grew high and strong. Some had fallen of themselves. Some were felled by the forester's axe. Some were hollow and the rabbits burrowed at their roots. Some few were struck by lightning and stood white and bare. There were hillsides covered with rich fern on which the morning dew so beautifully sparkled. There were brooks where the deer went down to drink or over which the whole herd bounded, flying from the arrows of the huntsmen. There were sunny glades, and solemn places where but little light came through the rustling leaves. The songs of the birds in the new forest were pleasanter to hear than the shouts of fighting men outside. And even when the Red King and his court came hunting through its solitudes, cursing loud and riding hard with the jingling of stirrups and bridles and knives and daggers. They did much less harm there than among the English or Normans, and the stags died as they lived, far easier than the people. Upon a day in August, the Red King, now reconciled to his brother, fine scholar, came with a great train to hunt in the new forest. Fine Scholar was of the party. They were a merry party and had lain all night at Malwood Keep, a hunting lodge in the forest, where they had made good cheer, both at supper and breakfast, and had drunk a deal of wine. The party dispersed in various directions, as the custom of hunters then was. The king took with him only Sir Walter Tyrrell, who was a famous postman, to whom he had given, before they mounted horse that morning, two fine arrows. The last time the king was ever seen alive, he was riding with Sir Walter Tyrrell, and their dogs were hunting together. It was almost night, when a poor charcoal burner, passing through the forest with his cart, came upon the solitary body of a dead man, shot with an arrow in the breast and still bleeding. He caught it into his cart. It was the body of the king.
shaken and tumbled, with its red beard all whitened with lime and clotted with blood. It was driven in the cart by the charcoal burner next day to Winchester Cathedral, where it was received and buried. Sir Walter Tyrell, who escaped Normandy and claimed the protection of the King of France, swore in France that the Red King has suddenly shot dead by an arrow from an unseen hand while they were hunting together, and that he was fearful of being suspected as the King's murderer, and that he instantly set spurs to his horse and fled to the seashore. Others declared that the King and Sir Walter Tyrell were hunting in company a little before sunset, standing in bushes opposite one another, when a stag came between them, that the king drew his bow and took aim, but the string broke, that the king then cried, Shoot Walter in the devil's name! That Sir Walter shot, that the arrow glanced against a tree, and turned aside from the stag, and struck the king from his horse, dead. By whose hands the Red King really fell, and whether that hand dispatched the arrow to his breast by accident or by design, is only known to God. Some think his brother may have caused him to be killed, but the Red King had made so many enemies, both among priests and people, that suspicion may reasonably rest upon a less unnatural murderer. Men know no more than that he was found dead in the New Forest, which the suffering people had regarded as a doomed ground for his race. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, please comment and please like it and subscribe. Please do let me know if there are certain tales from whichever part of the world you might be in that you would like me to read. Thank you.